Let's worship Him this morning. Amen. Enjoy the world. Amen. Well, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Far as, far as a curse is found. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing Joy to the world, the Savior reigns Let men their songs employ While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding. He rules the world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders and wonders of His love and joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. 
Amen. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. And I know that, that we did. I put a picture out on Facebook of 17 first cousins. And then my first cousin called me up and said, hey, they are on, they're on the second generation of 17 first cousins. And I went, oh, you, you're right. 17 and 17. Must be something about that number. I don't know. With the Cockmans. So, um, uh, but anyway, we enjoyed being with family. And um, why don't everybody turn around and give each other a welcome. Shake some hands if you can reach uh, the person beside of you. And just welcome them to church here this morning at Hickory Bible Tabernacle. It's good to see everyone. Give me that C again. We're going to do a song called Jewels. I don't know if... Oh, we come. Let's sing a song called Jewels. When I, when I think about you all, um, you know, I think about the jewels that, you know, Christ went to prepare a place for us. Amen. And when that bride comes down, it's likened into a city made with, uh, fulfilled with precious jewels. And, you know, that's the believer. We are that, that precious stone. Amen. And so I love this, this old tune. It's called Jewels. When he cometh, when he cometh to make up his jewels, all his jewels, precious jewels, his love and his own, like the stars of the morning, his bright crown of Adorning, they will shine in their beauty, bright gems for his crown. He will gather, he will gather the gems for his kingdom, all the pure ones, all the bright ones. His loved and His own Like the stars of the morning His bright crown adorning They shall shine in their beauty Bright gems for His crown Little children Little children who love their Redeemer Are the Jews, precious Jews His loved and His own Like the stars of the morning His bright crown adorning They shall shine in their beauty Bright gems for his crown Like the stars of the morning His bright crown adorning They shall shine in their beauty Bright gems for his crown Amen. Precious jewels, you may have a seat got a few announcements and prayer requests to go over and uh it's good to see uh the billy cockman's here this morning billy plan on coming up to uh pray over these requests here just in a moment 
So <clears throat> some of the prayer requests that we have are the drums. Brother Drum has a, um, some important tests coming up tomorrow. Keep him in, in your prayers if you would. The Cross family, Brother Matt is ministering in South Carolina. And, uh, but his family, many of them are sick at home, so keep them in your prayers as well. Jonathan Mail, the males are traveling, and Sister Kim Ward is sick this morning. Keep her in prayer. And uh, Brother and Sister Smith, both of them, um, keep them in your prayers. They've been so faithful to send um, letters and cards to all of us when we have been in situations where we're out sick. And so let's just remember them specially. We love our Brother and Sister Smith. Brother Wellington is in Zimbabwe. He's actually getting on the plane to head home this morning, so special prayers for travel for him. Uh, the Whitlocks in Virginia, pray for them as well. And uh, also Brother Troy Hughes, not the flu, but flu-like symptoms. A lot of that's been going around, so uh, keep them in your prayers. Um, <clears throat> and Sister Becky, I believe she's here this morning, but it's not, not feeling well at, either, so let's pray for, for our pastor's wife this morning. Um, uh, also, Earl Munch, he is still sick as well, so we need to pray harder. Amen? So, Brother Earl, let's keep praying for him. Um, <clears throat> Brother Mike Pritchard, his mother, Nora, is here this morning. Where are you, where are you this morning? Is she here? So, um, over here. <laughs> okay. Hello. So, welcome. I was I'm, uh, to Hickory Bible Tabernacle. Good to see you, Sister Nora. And um, thank you, everyone, for helping me out there. <laughs> and um, I'd like to, in a way of announcements, Billy, come on up and, and get ready to lead these uh, prayers to the Lord here. The Ladies' Lunch and Cookie Exchange next Sunday, December the 4th. Don't forget that. That's always a, a good time for, the, for our sisters. So immediately following the morning service on December 4th, Lunch and Cookie Exchange. And so if you have questions about that, please see Sister Kristen uh, with any questions. All right, let's go to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we are needy people, Lord, and there's many that are sick. We just pray, Lord, that you would touch them. You created our bodies, Lord, and you're able to heal them as well, Heavenly Father, Lord. And um, I've actually had a, a burden for Brother Keith, Lord. I know that he's... Uh, we're still praying for him and know that uh, praying for his complete healing and know that you're able uh, you said you know even cancer it doesn't matter what it is to you it may we may think it's great to us but to you it's nothing lord you can heal whatever problem we have lord we just thank you for the gifts and the the you know the blessings you've you've bestowed upon us this thanksgiving we just thank you for all of those lord jesus and we pray that we will keep you front and center in our hearts over Christmas season, Lord, and just keep reminding us what this is about, Lord Jesus, and not get caught up in all of the glitter and the clutter of the world. Thank you, Lord, for all you do. Pray that you'll give us a good service, Lord, and all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Thank you, Billy. And I don't remember if I mentioned Brother Keith, but he was um, on the schedule to play the organ this morning and then have a sort of a, a down morning. So keep Brother Keith especially in your prayers. <clears throat> you may keep, remain seated. We're going to sing an old tune called Send the Light. Amen. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the 
blessed gospel light Let it shine forevermore There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves Send the light, send the light There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save Send the light, oh send the light Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine from shore to shore Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine from shore to shore Verse 3 Let us pray that grace may everywhere be found Send the light, oh send the light and a Christ-like spirit everywhere be found Send the light, oh send the light Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine from shore to shore Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine forevermore let us not grow weary in the work of love Send the light, send the light Let us gather jewels for a crown above Send the light, send the light Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine from shore to shore Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine forevermore Amen. When it says, let us not grow weary in the work above What is the work above? The great commission of Christ is to go into all the nations And spread the gospel, the good news that he has risen. Amen When it says to gather jewels for a crown above What are those jewels? Those jewels are men and women, boys and girls that we have influenced through our ministry. Each and every one of you is a minister. Christ didn't say only certain people go out. He he commanded his he commands everyone go and tell the gospel. Amen. That's our commission. It's not a gift. It's not a calling. It is a commission to do that. And let's just think about that as we go into this uh, holiday season. Amen. Everywhere you go, people are watching your lives. Everything that you say, they are analyzing what, what the words that come out of your mouth. And they should be uh, something that glorifies God and attracts people and to ultimately bring them to an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every predestinated seed that's out there, you could be the one that contacts them and brings them in. Amen. So let's, let's sing that fourth verse again. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. And if you don't mind, let's all stand as we sing this. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, oh, send the light. You are the light, amen. Send the light. Blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel 
light, let it shine forevermore. Oh, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Oh, let it shine forevermore. Amen. As you remain standing, let's um, have the ushers come forward, please, the deacons, and uh, we're going to take the morning offering. And Brother Pritchard, if you would, just lead us to the throne of grace here before we worship God with our tithes and offerings. Amen. I believe Sister Anna Pritchard has a song this morning while she's uh, getting that into mind. Let's sing an old song um, called The Hills of Home, The Holy Hills of Song in this key of C. The holy hills of heaven call me to mansions bright across the sea where loved ones wait and crowns are given and the hills of hope keep calling me Amen This house of seats and sister Anna after sister Anna sings her special Grace Johnson has a special so if Grace if you'll be prepared and we'll just go right into your special right after sister Anna Thank you. 
They just laughed at Jesus when he said she's only sleeping. But he took her by the hand. She began to live again. Some began to praise the Lord. Some began to say, He's in the house that had to He's in this house, amen. Do you believe that? And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about this house. We sang that song just before this this house of clay is but a prison, but you know this house is sanctified because he is in it. A lot of times we 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 look at this house of flesh and the problems that it causes us, amen. But you know what? He's in here. He is in here, and that makes all the difference. So thank you, sister. Grace. Sin 
separated The bridge was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your sight You made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside there at the cross you pay the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus it has washed me white thank you Jesus you have saved my life brought me from the darkness into glorious light you took my place laid inside my tomb of
Let's stand and sing that chorus again. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, you have washed me white. time. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus, you have washed me saved our lives, but also brought us out of darkness into this glorious light. Amen. Are you thankful this morning? Key of F, sister. While Brother Barry prepares to come, let's sing together this old song. We'll understand it better by and by. Well, by and by when the morning comes, well, the saints of God are gathered home. We will tell the story how we've overcome. We'll understand it better by and by. We are often destined driven on the restless sea of time. Skies and howlers, templates, often see the bright sunshine. In the mess that roll away, we will understand it better by and by. Well, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. We are often destitute. Of the things that life demands, we are trusting in the Lord and according to His word. We will understand it better by and by, by and by. Well, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the and we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, hidden snares often take us unawares, and our hearts are made to bleed for many thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best, and we'll understand it better by and by. Well, by and by, oh, when the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Let's sing it. Well, by and by, when the morning 
are often tossed and driven on the restless sea of time. Somber skies and howling tempests often see the bright sunshine in that land of perfect day. When the mists have rolled away, we will understand it better by and by. Well, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story of how we'd overcome. We will understand it better by and by. We are often destitute of the things that life demands. Want of food, want of shelter, thirsty hills and barren lands. We are trusting in the Lord and according to His word. We will understand it better by and by. When, well, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. When temptation's hidden snares often take us unawares, and our hearts are made to bleed from any thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best. And we'll understand it better by and by. Let's sing it now. Well, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story overcome or we'll understand it better by and by well by and by when the morning comes when all the saints of God are gathered home we will tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by well by and by when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. Yes, we'll understand it better by and by. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise this morning. Do you love Him? Amen. We love him so much. Good morning. God bless you. You want me to wear the hat? That'll be all right. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Always good to be with God's people. Well, I would love to sing one more little chorus uh, before we uh, before we begin. And uh, oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King. And uh, if we could sing that this morning, and I think it's in I think it's in the key of F. I think it is. We'll try it there, or put it in skeleton key. That fits everything. Oh yes, oh yes. I'm a child of the King.
Bible, if you don't mind, this morning. We welcome all of you to the house of the Lord. Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there. And we're going to go to the book of Matthew in the ninth chapter, Matthew chapter 9. I generally get in trouble when I start mentioning names and welcoming people back and all that kind of thing, but um, I'll probably take that advice today and not try to mention everyone's name. We have a number of folks that are not here, and we have lots of guests and visitors, and so we welcome all of you today. I want to bring you just a couple of very quick prayer requests here that I um, didn't give to Brother John, and... uh, before we read the scripture, we'll have a word of prayer this morning and just commit these needs unto God. Um, We want to remember Sister uh, Frida Drum. Her uncle passed away this past week, and uh, the funeral, I think, is coming up this uh, Tuesday. And that's Sister Gregg's youngest, uh, sorry, Brother brother Gregg's youngest brother, and he sang at the funeral of Sister Gregg, and I remember him quite well. And lived up in the in the mountains and uh, passed away. So that was the uh, there's one uh, of the remaining family that's left. So we sure do miss the drums. I talked to Brother Joe this morning, and uh, he's going through some um, serious testing this week. And we want to just hold him up in prayer. They certainly do miss us, as I told them we miss them. Also, as well, some of you old timers will remember Sister Anja Pruitt, and Sister Anja had a severe stroke. Uh, this past week, a couple of days ago, uh, she was unable to speak, and she's in the hospital, uh, probably going to have to go for therapy. And uh, I was talking with Brother Allen, and uh, I told him that we would bring that need before the church this morning and just trust that uh, the Lord will undertake for her. She has uh, some issues with dementia as well, and uh, we want to hold Sister Angel up in prayer. Uh, there's also a, a young man who is, lives in our town, and uh, they uh, acquaintances of mine they actually own a sawmill up there, and I've been communicating with them and doing some business with them over uh, a couple of years. And uh, recently, the son, their Hunter Smith, his name is, uh, just had a, a child, and it was born without certain bones in its body. I'd never heard of that before, and the child is five or six months old, and they're going to have to amputate. And it's kind of a serious situation. And I, I thought, my, just, it was heartbreaking, the description, uh, without a, a leg bone and one side and so forth and some other complications. And they said, but the child is such a blessing to our family. It's so happy and joyful, doesn't know any different. And uh, they said, we are so blessed to have this little child among us and yet facing, you know, the, the serious complications. And I said, if it would be all right, I said, I'd like to bring that before our church and just uh, trust that the Lord will undertake for that little child. And I said, we believe in a, a God who works miracles and that God is able to do uh, exceedingly above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. And I said, if you don't mind, I said, we'd just like to commit her into God's hands. And so they said that they would really uh, certainly appreciate that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, it's just such a great blessing to be able to gather with your people today. Lord, there's so many things that are taking place in the world and so many things, Lord, that are taking place according to Scripture and the prophecies about this hour. 
And Lord, we're excited to be living in a time such as this. And so now, Lord, we come together as a people gathering all of our needs, Lord, and these requests that we have uh, been given today. And we bring them before your throne of grace and mercy and pray that you would be mindful of each one, Lord. There is no situation that's impossible for you. You are the author of life. You're the healer of our bodies. You're the deliverer of our souls. And Lord Jesus, you're just the same today as you ever have been. And so we commit these needs with confidence into your hands today, Lord. And I'm praying especially that you would uh, speak to those, Lord, that are listening today and reaching out to you for help and strength. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd be mindful of their needs and the very cry of their heart. Lord, bless us here today. It's already been good, Lord, for us to be in that your house and uh, to be among friends. And we just ask now that you would move among us and uh, speak to us through the word of life. And Lord, challenge us for the uh, great hour that we live in, that we might be found exactly in the place that you would have us to be. And we will give you thanks and praise in the wonderful and glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. We're going to go to Matthew, the ninth chapter, and I'd like to read a little portion here, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when, they saw, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And may God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. We don't want to ever forget the Clavels who are away uh, today and been away for a couple of weeks out in Arizona. Certainly do miss them. Uh, Brother Matt Cross is down in uh, South Carolina ministering uh, today, and uh, we certainly do want to remember his uh, family. And we're honored to have Brother Mike Pritchard's mother here with us today. Uh, Nora, good to have you here today. God bless you. Uh, Great to have you among us. Well, I, I want to jump right in and uh, start uh, with a, just a very slight review and uh, talk a little bit about this uh, subject here uh, that we've been dealing with on the subject of the harvest. Uh, but before I do that, uh, I, 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 not being here last week and we didn't have service on Wednesday, uh, we failed to mention that uh, the world uh, celebrated Thanksgiving, but uh, the Britain family celebrated Thanksgiving for Mia's birthday right? On the 23rd? Yeah, God bless you, Sister Mia. <clears throat> we live in a, we live in a, a striking time. It's, it's certainly a, a unique time uh, for the Gentile people, and because we're living at the end of things, God has given us particular uh, uh, responsibility. Jason, good to have you back as well. Uh, recovering here in the Ashdowns, I guess it's uh, uh, good to have you back. Good to have you back. Uh, it, it's it's an exciting time because of so many things that are taking place, and you know it's uh, in a sense in being a minister today and uh, taking the taking the Bible, taking the prophecies about our time. Uh, the problem is not what do I preach. Uh, the problem is how do I get it all in? 
Because there seems to be so many things that are happening. And you're the people that God chose to live in the time when it's all unfolding and it's all coming to pass. We're not in a time now where it's being projected out there that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. We're living in a time where the things that have been projected are actually coming to pass. And so it's an exciting time. It really, it really is, spiritually speaking, it's an exciting time. And uh, because God has put us here uh, in this particular hour, we have certain responsibilities, uh, or certain uh, criteria that are given to us in Scripture uh, that, uh, that really matter. And so we want to talk about that this morning, uh, if you don't mind here. And I want to just give you a, just a couple of brief statements here to get us oriented this morning. And then uh, stay with me here because we'll, uh, we'll probably switch gears just a little bit. <clears throat> In this message, the absolute, and the farther I go along, the more I appreciate an absolute as clearly as what God has given to us. Because we live in very uncertain times, and it's really, really important to have an absolute. A compass, Brother Bram said, is magnetized to the North Pole. And when we're in trouble and trusting Christ, there's one thing sure. The Holy Spirit will point us to the word that will guide us to the North Star and to deliver of everything that we have need of. He is our absolute. So we have, we have an absolute in our nation of the Supreme Court, uh, which is a, uh, you know, a body of lawmakers. And uh, we have the Constitution and all of that. But our absolute is not a thing. It's a person. Our absolute is Christ. Isn't that right? And so when you're in trouble, and we're, we're obviously living in the time of trouble that the Bible speaks about when everything, uh, everything changes, then the Holy Spirit will point us to the Word that will guide us to the North Star. I'm so glad of that. He is our absolute. And I, I, I'll tell you what, saints of God, uh, we are a blessed people to know that and to have the grace of God to follow that. So we, we were asking this question last time, and we didn't get uh, completely to the end of the answer here, but uh, where are the foolish virgins during the millennium? That's the question that was asked to Brother Branham. <coughs> excuse, excuse me. And he says, in the millennium, they're in the grave. <clears throat> he said, the rest of the dead live not for a thousand years. So if they're in the grave, they're not with the bride. <clears throat> The, the principle that was, was, has been on my heart over the last little while is this, uh, this principle of separation that occurs uh, in the season of harvest. And that's what harvest actually is, right? It is, it is a time of separation. Uh, you, when, you, when you have a field full of things that are growing, uh, you don't even want everything that's related to the plant you sowed. You only want a portion of that plant. Isn't that right? So if a wheat farmer is growing wheat, he's got a, he's got a plant or a corn. We, we have lots of corn growing up in our area. And uh, the, the stalk is, sometimes it'll grow to eight, uh, eight or nine feet tall. And uh, then, you know, the, the, uh, the grain actually forms a corn and then it, uh, it'll hang down. And that harvester will go through and it'll spit out a lot of that plant, a lot of the, uh, the refuse that's there. Now, some of it is taken for silage for the cows and so forth, but... They're looking for that corn, and so they'll actually discard a portion of the plant that caused that corn to grow, but they'll, they'll take in that, the corn, the kernel. That's what, that's what the harvestman is really after. So in order to, in order to get that, there's got to be a separation that goes on. There's got to be a, uh, you know, a process that uh, the, the farmer goes through to get exactly what he's looking for. 
And everything else is separated from that. Some of it goes to the cows. Some of it goes, uh, you know, to the, uh, uh, to the silage and all the rest of it. it you know, it, it, it's separated and very carefully separated because the value is in the kernel that he was actually trying to grow. Now, in the Bible, that's called winnowing. And obviously, they didn't have John Deere's back in the, uh, in the Bible times. They very often, I've, I've seen this in, in the Middle East when I've traveled in different parts of the world over there. Uh, you watch the women, they will uh, gather uh, on the sidewalks so or they'll gather in their fields. And they'll take a round, uh, it's like a flat basket is what it looks like. And it's, and it's woven. And they'll take their, uh, their grains that they grow and they'll scoop it up on the edge of the basket and they'll throw it up in the air. And as they do that, the, uh, the grains separate from the husk, the thing that, that holds it or shields it, and all those layers will peel away in the action or the motion of that throwing. And they'll throw it up like this, and they'll catch it, and they'll throw it up again, and they'll catch it, and they throw it up again. They do it over and over again. And the idea is, is that as that separation goes on between the grain, the kernel, that's a value, and the rest of the shuck, it's blown away by the wind. The light stuff is blown away by the wind. But the grain just keeps falling back down, falling back down. And so in the end of it, at the end of that uh, winnowing process, they have a, a nice big basket full of grain, pure grain. Everything else is blown away. Everything else is tossed aside. And that's the winnowing process that goes on, uh, and it's described in the Bible. As a matter of fact, we'll find it in, uh, in the book of Ruth when uh, Naomi was talking to Ruth, and she said, And now is not Boaz our kindred uh, with whose maidens thou, thou, thou wast? Ruth is the book of Ruth, chapter 3 and verse 2. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. And that's how they, that's how they did it in the, in the harvest seasons back then. They would take the, the, that handful of, uh, grain, they would throw it in the air, and eventually, <clears throat> that's all is left is the real thing. And I'd like to say this, that I believe that, uh, you know, when I think about that type, and I can see those women doing that in the, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the Middle East today, in their, in their primitive way, uh, you know, I, I think about, uh, you know, the bride of Christ. I think about people who are real, true, solid believers. You can, you can put them through all kinds of turmoil, and you can toss them up, and you can toss them around, but they'll keep coming back at the feet of the master every time. And at the end of the process, you're going to get just real grain. You're just going to get real bright. Everything else is going to be blown away by the winds of strife and the winds of war and uh, the winds of uh, false doctrine and everything else. It's going to carry away everybody else, but the bride will remain. She'll remain there in the hands of the master. And uh, that's, that's a, an important principle when you think about what happens in the last day. So Jesus in, in John chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 13, uh, when he was giving out the parables of a sower going forth, uh, Somebody came and told the master and said, hey, there are weeds or tares that are growing in the field. Should we root them out? And he said, no, let them alone. Let them both grow until the harvest time. So this idea of winnowing or separating doesn't occur through the ages, but it does occur in the last day. So now everybody has a place. Everybody has a position. And God is allowing things to be moved around in such a way uh, that, uh, that we will be in that right place. Now, let me bring you to that in these quotes here. In the breach, Brother Branham says, now we find in this book of redemption will not be thoroughly understood. It's probed at through six church ages. But at the end, when the seventh angel begins to sound his mystery, how many believe the seventh angel has come? Amen. He winds up all those loose ends and these fellows probed at and the mysteries come down from God. 
The mysteries come down from God as the word of God and reveals the entire revelation of God. And then the Godhead, the mysteries, the serpent seed, whatever more is to be revealed. So the things that were hidden by God are revealed for the people of God. Because God doesn't hide things from us. He hid things for us in this last day. And the people down through the ages, they probed at it and they wondered about it. Uh, they, were, they were certainly sincere in their intentions to find out. But it, it took a prophet in the last day to bring out the re- revelation of these mysteries that laid hidden there. Uh, the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. Everybody doesn't believe that God sent a prophet in this last day. But if Brother Branham was not Malachi 4, I would like to ask the question, who is? I believe that he was. Not because we've been schooled or trained to think that way. I believe that he is because the Bible, I can, I can take a, a pretty strong biblical case to prove that to you. Now, at the sounding of the seventh age, the last church age, and the, last, uh, the loose ends that through those church ages have been probed at will be wound together, wound together in, a, in a, uh, an understandable pattern. And when the seals are broken, the mysteries revealed, down comes that angel, that messenger Christ, setting his foot upon the land, the one upon the sea with a rainbow over his head. And remember, this seventh angel is on earth at the time of this coming. So there's a convergence of important events that take place in the last day when these seals are broken or when the Lamb looses those seals and reveals the mysteries. Everybody okay? All right. So we graphically kind of put it this way last time, that in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, we have an earthly messenger who's on earth at that time. We also have Christ coming down. He descends with a shout, the voice and the trump of God, right? And everybody in the earth is affected by that, whether you like it or not. Whether you're an unbeliever, whether you're a Jew, whether you're an Arab, whether you're male or female, doesn't matter. Everybody on the earth is affected by the unfolding of end time events. Everybody will be included in this this simple picture here. So we obviously have the bride and Israel, uh, very important players in the last day. And then we have the world, the cosmos, national powers. And we began to define some of these. Revelation chapter uh, 10 is a description of what the bride's role is. If you like, in the last day, we take the book, eat the book, and prophesy again. And Israel is gathered back in her homeland, uh, back in, in, uh, in the, uh, the promised land that God gave to Father Abraham and to his descendants. And Jerusalem is the center of all of that activity back there. So then the world slides into a condition called the days of Sodom, which is prophesied. It's not just bad television. It's not just bad political leaders. It's prophecy that makes it go that way. There's a lot of people who have good intentions, but they cannot, they cannot stand against the tide of immorality and all of the forces that, of darkness that go with that. <clears throat> we have national powers that play a role here, and uh, sometimes they play a direct role like uh, the United Nations or a nation like China, uh, who are uh, sometimes used just to pressure a nation to make certain decisions or move in a certain way. Uh, they may not have a role, uh, biblically speaking, like China's not even mentioned in the Bible, but they do exert certain, uh, certain forces or certain energy in the earth that cause certain other things to happen. So sometimes there can be a, uh, a convergence of nations over here uh, that will cause other nations to get together over here because these guys are getting together over here. Right, and, and so there are decisions that are made in relation to uh, geopolitics and all the things that are related to that. 
Russia plays a more direct role, and they're mentioned. The European Union, uh, even though it's not mentioned in the, in the Bible, uh, particularly by name, uh, the nations of Europe are certainly central to what, uh, what takes place in the last day. And of course, Italy and Rome are in that part of the world. And then, then we're talking about Matthew chapter 25, which is the parable Jesus gave uh, about the last day and how these virgins would uh, be separated uh, in, in the last parable, right? In the parable of the end time. And they, they, both were, uh, they, they both were considered virgins all the way through until the very end the separation came because one had oil and one did not. So it, it remained, there was a constancy, there was a, uh, there was a, uh, uh, there was a, a sense, a blending of things until the end when that separation actually occurs. So now we want to be sure we understand that. All right, so that's the picture. Now, it's all connected together, Brother Branham said. It's, they're, not, they're not isolated events. It's all connected together. God deals with Jews, not as individuals, but as a nation, Israel's ready to receive the spirit of Moses and, or Elijah and Moses and will appear to them after the rapture of the church. So after the, you're gone, uh, they will come on the scene in Israel, <clears throat> the fig tree putting forth its buds. So they're coming to their homeland. They're still coming to their homeland. But Israel will be received as a nation, whereas individuals, that was the Holy Spirit. That's the way God deals with us in, as opposed to Israel. But he said it's all connected together and the angel of the earth is on the angel of the Lord is on earth now, moving, fixing, moving around, fixing everything for the coming of the Lord. And it's the same angels that heard the sin when they went down to Sodom. The same angels that were on the earth. And God uses them again in the last day and says, I want you to, I want you to go down and see it again. You'll recognize it. I want you to go down and see it again. Now think about this. As we, you remember in that illustration, I took some of the people and moved them around, right? And uh, had, had, had people, you know, uh, placed in different positions here. But I want to just be more, a little more specific now. Because you remember back in the day when Brother Branham made that statement that, that angels moving things around, Israel was in a sense a very, uh, a, a nation that had limited power and limited resources, their, uh, their Air Force pilots back in that day, they would, they would practice, had a very small Air Force, and they had very few bombs to drop on enemies. And so they would practice with bags of flour. They would take five-pound bags of flour, and they would practice dropping those bags of flour and to make sure that they had their gauges set correctly. So if we drop the bomb here, uh, you know, it's going to travel a certain distance here and hit the target. So in their target practice, they took those bags of flour because they could see the bag of white flour exploding on the ground, and they didn't want to use their real bombs. They were in such scarce supply. So it became so bad and so desperate that Golda Meir went to, uh, went to the U.S. She made a, uh, a surprise trip to the U.S. and sat with Richard Nixon. And she explained to him the dilemma they were in. And it was at that particular point that Nixon actually agreed. And he said, we're going to get you what you need and we're going to send you back uh, with all kinds of commitments about weaponry. And the ships began to be loaded out of the U.S. This is post-World War II. And so, uh, you know, this is a, a very important time for Israel. And in, in, a, in a real way, a lot of Israel's success back in that time was because of this incident here when Golda Meir went to Washington and talked with Richard Nixon. 
Now, I don't believe that it was just Golda Meir's personality. And I don't believe it was just, you know, she had a, a, a nice a fat checkbook or something like that. I believe that the angel of God that was uh, intending for these things to come to pass a certain way. I believe there's right people in a position and God allows these people to come together at a certain point in time and the right thing is done. That's not just a fluke of politics here. That's, that's a design that the right people come together and get the job done. We can use lots of different examples here. I've been to, I've been to Russia and I've, I've traveled throughout the country. And I will tell you something that even after the days of the Soviet Union collapse, you don't go into Russia and say, I want to do this and I want to do that. You, you, you always have to apply for permission. Even today, if you went there, you would have to apply for visas and permissions in order to get there. But there came a point where uh, the, the Jewish people, all of a sudden, who had been in Russia for years and centuries uh, living in Russia because they were scattered uh, after, the, you know, in, in the, after the Dark Ages and they were scattered all through the world. And here are now the Jews that are in Russia. All of a sudden, the, the, the time comes and the, 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 the wall comes down. The Soviet Union collapses to a certain extent and the Jews all of a sudden leave. They just walk out and they go back to Israel. Do you think, do you think that that was just something that happened uh, just because the, the Russians had a bad day? I believe it was an angel that created that opening that allowed the Israelis to go back into their homeland and at the same time allowed the message to come in for the Gentiles that were, that were a part of the Russian uh, nation. And, and this is a photograph in 1972 of Russians who were leaving there and coming out of Tel Aviv. Let me tell you a little story. I remember being in Russia, first time I ever went. And I, I brought over, uh, we had printed the poster of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which has the, the whole chapter of Revelation 1 on there and has the seven messengers on the bottom. Some of you might have seen that. My wife and I printed that back in 1985, and uh, I brought it all over the world and gave it to different people. And so when I went to Russia, because I'd never been there before, I, brought, I wanted to bring over several hundred of those posters and uh, bring them uh, you know, to the people in the churches there. So in my suitcase, I rolled up, uh, maybe there was uh, 30 or 40 posters in every tube, and I took the, uh, a cardboard tube and I, I slid the posters in the tube, and I had maybe 12 tubes, I would think, uh, 10 or 12 tubes that were in my suitcase. And so I had a big suitcase back then. And I, I laid all the, the tubes out in the bottom of my suitcase and piled all my clothes and stuff in over the top of it. And uh, when I arrived in Moscow, uh, they, were, they were going through all the, the processes, you know, of, of scanning the luggage and, get, you know, picking up your luggage. And they took my suitcase and ran it through the scanner all of a sudden. I mean, all of a sudden, there were soldiers everywhere. There were red lights flashing, and there were soldiers coming. And I, 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 was, I was kind of amazed, like, wow, someone's in trouble. <laughs> someone's going to pay. Someone's going to be in trouble today. Wow, somebody's going to be delayed and miss their flight. And all of a sudden, I looked around, and here they are circling me. And uh, I, 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 looked, I happened to be able to look on the woman's screen and when, when they scanned my suitcase, because of the way the tubes were, it looked just like a nuclear bomb. I mean, with all the, with all the, the tubes, you know, for the... And I, I looked at that and I said, 
you got a problem with that, don't you? And I, you know, they, they didn't speak English at all. And they didn't want to speak English at all. And so I said, let me open up the suitcase. And so they, you know, they had their one hand on the gun, not two, not like Sister, uh, Sister Britton here. But they had, they had one hand on the gun and they were looking at me like this. And I flipped open the lid and I, 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 I uh, you know, combed down to the tubes. And I slowly, very slowly took out the posters and showed them. And they're, oh, yeah, you know, put him back in there. And off you go. They thought they had, you know, the mother load that day. Some guy with a nuclear bomb, and they had caught him. And they were all going to get a promotion, and they had thought that. In Russia, you don't go and tell people what you're going to do. In, in Russia, the system is so bound, and they are so tight, and they're so, uh, so corrupt that, that everything is done. Uh, it would take years and years and years for families to, to be able to leave Russia like this. And all of a sudden, in a brief moment of time, here are all these Jews that are free now to go back uh, in, into Israel. It's just an incredible thing. I don't believe, I don't believe that it was just some sort of a by-chance event. I believe very specifically it was the angel of the Lord that allowed that opening to occur. And Brother Bram said like the world goes into Sodom and Gomorrah. So all of a sudden you have a, a huge change in our society here. And, and you have a whole generation of people. And, and this was a, uh, apparently it's a, an advert for a documentary they did. And it says three days that defined a generation. It was not just three days that defined a generation. It was uh, essentially, it, it was a, 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 when the seals were open, there were restraints that were lifted off the people. There were, there were moral uh, boundaries, if you like, that had been in place for hundreds and hundreds of years. And people came over in America and vowed to establish a nation based on moral values and biblical principles and so forth. And all of a sudden it's lifted because the world's got to become like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's got to become that way. And where it centers is in the devil's headquarters, which is Hollywood. And all of this, all of this stuff, it never goes backwards after that. It just opens the door to things that continue until we come to where we are today. Aren't you glad you're not involved you're not a product of that generation. <clears throat> you look at the power of this angel, and he has the power to be able to allow men like Hitler and Mussolini to raise up and to be able to crush nations and, and destroy all of those Jews and do all of that without any, seemingly any opposition there until the Allies eventually defeat him. I mean, it's just amazing how God uses all of those things uh, that, that are happening in the world and to bring Israel back into our homeland again. I'll tell you what, saints of God, it, this is not just a trivial thing where Brother Branham said uh, it's all connected together and this angel is moving things around. The reason why the world is like it is today is because somebody has moved people into place. And the reason why you have the hope that you have today is because God put something in you to hear a voice in the last day that said, come out of her, my people. And be separate, saith the Lord. I'm going to winnow you right out of your denominations. And there was not a denomination strong enough to hold you back. Just like there was not a political leader or a movement strong enough to hold those Jews back. They went back to their homeland. There's not enough forces on the earth or in hell to hold God's people back from coming to where they need to be. And it's not by your decision and it's not by your choice. There's some, some higher power that's moving everything around into the place God has designed. I wish I had more voice to say it. <clears throat> so at the end of the ages then where we have come to, when Revelation 2 and 3 are fulfilled, 
which is the message from those candlesticks. And that's where we always heard the voice was out of the candlesticks. Now there's a distinct change that takes place. The church goes into apostasy. And that is what we refer to as Laodicean darkness. And in that, in that time, in that season, there is a judgment cycle that begins. So in the same way that uh, when you look out on a field and it's ripe for harvest, the end of the growing is over. You know what? Now's the time to cut it down. Now's the time to separate. Now's the time that we're going to pull this apart and there's going to be no looking back. We're at the end of this thing. And so this judgment cycle is now the fulfilling of what Jesus said would happen eventually and that we would come to a separation between the, the grain and everything else. Secondly, the bride enters into what is identified as the bride age. And we, we understand that in our terminology or our way of thinking. We understand that means that's the beginning of the going home process, right? It's a going home time for the people of God. And the bride enters into that, and that is not a public show. That is not something that is, uh, that is available to everybody, and it's not something that's known by everybody. The third thing that takes place is that there's a cycle of restoration of Israel uh, beginning. So therefore, in the same way that the Gentile bride is moving out, Israel is moving into her place of center stage. Center stage is where it all happens. We've enjoyed center stage for a while. But now Israel uh, is, is going to be moving in the center stage here. And you can see easily how she has, uh, you know, events that are taking place in our world now are moving Israel into that center stage. They become the center of attention whether they want it or not. And that's where we are. The fourth thing that I wanted to mention is that the Antichrist begins to rise to rule. <clears throat> so this is not done by force. It's not done by intimidation. It's done by flatteries. And even though there are things that in our, in our, uh, you know, in our addiction to news cycles, we, lose, we, we tend to not think about things that are not headlines. Everybody remember Ukraine? Right? <clears throat> there is something that comes in and overshadows the previous headline. And so because it's not prominent in our news, a lot of times we think, well, nothing's happening. God does not operate on signals from CNN. God is not obligated to Fox News, right? So there are things that are happening according to Scripture that are going to happen because prophecy dictates they're going to happen. And modern events are made clear by prophecy. Let me tell you, you will not find news anchors going back to prophecy, going back to scripture and reading out of Zechariah chapter 14 and telling you, this is that which is happening. But God has signaled to his people through a message in the last day that that is exactly what's taking place. So don't be lulled to sleep by headlines. Neither should we be guided by headlines. Right? That's not our guide. That's not our absolute. Our absolute will always point us to the North Star. Always. That's what we look to. Okay, forgive me now for my voice here. That's the last time I'll say that. But uh, let's let's see if we can answer this question here, and then I want to turn a corner here. Now, in in, in the breach here, and this is, as I've said to you before, this is a really important sermon. Brother Bram said those seals were were broke and reveal them to his church in order to collect his subjects for his kingdom, his bride. He wants to bring his subjects to him now. So this is the in-gathering 
as opposed to the outgathering. Now, remember our text in John chapter, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is telling the people that are listening to him, the disciples there, he's saying, yeah, he, looks at the, he looks at the people with compassion. He had great compassion for the people that he's, he's standing in front of. And he sees the crowds out there. They've got all manner of sickness, got all manners of problems. They're possessed by devils. There are people out there who are in serious uh, condition. And, and, and he sees them faint. Many of them had, had fainted and they were despondent here. And <clears throat> Jesus has compassion on them. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, I need you to pray. I need you to pray that when the harvest which is ripe takes place, you pray not for the harvest. You pray for the harvesters. I want you to be sure you pray for the harvesters in that time. I got, a, I got a question, and I was thinking about this this week. Is the size of the harvest dependent on the harvesters? I'm a harvester. I, I, I don't know how you would place yourself in this context here, but I'm a harvester. And I feel like, I feel like I would do anything, anything I could to take anyone into the right kingdom. If I could do anything to bring people into the right kingdom, to me that would be the greatest blessing. That would be the greatest thing that I could do is to help somebody get into the right, the father's house, the father's garner. I would like to make it as hard as possible for you to go from hickory to hell. I'd like to make that as hard as possible. I'd like to make it as easy as possible for you to go from hickory to heaven. Not hickory to hell, hickory to heaven. I'd like to do everything I possibly can. And, And that's why Jesus said, I need you to pray for these harvesters. Because they've got a particular job to do. And I'm going to tell them how to do it. You've got to think about what, what your role is in this. He wants to bring his subjects to him now. Out of the dust of the earth, the bottom of the sea, everywhere, every place, regions of the dark, out of paradise, wherever they may be, he will call and they will answer. So this is through all the ages. He come to get his subjects. He revealed his secrets and they saw it. And time is no more at that time. God revealed his secret and they saw it. Does that speak to anybody at all about what that actually means? I got it underlined there and it's in bold because I want you to understand this is a reflection of, this is a proof of whether your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life. Brother Bram said your name is not on the Lamb's Book of Life like Orm and Neville or Lee Vale. That's not how your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life. God had a mystery for every age. And when that mystery unfolds, like Martin Luther coming out with justification, the elect of that day saw it because their name was on the Lamb's Book of Life next to that mystery. Does that make sense? So Brother Bram says through the ages, they came out of the sea, they came out of the earth, the regions of the dark, and so forth. He came to get his subjects, he revealed his secrets, and they saw it, and time is no more. Don't you understand? The fact that you're believing the message of the hour today is a sign 
that your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life for this age. That's why we're here. We're not here because this is a better church than another one, or we have a better uh, annual dinner than other people, or we have a nicer fellowship hall. Or that, That's not why we're here. I mean, I hope that's not why you're here, because as soon as someone builds a nicer fellowship hall, you're going to be there. Right? We're here because God has allowed us to see something. Hey, that I'm not willing to forsake at all. I'm not willing to turn my back on that at all. That's life to me. That's, that's truth to me. That's my North Star. That's become my, that's become my whole life. And that's the way Christ should be, and that's the way the message should be. That's the way your relationship with God should be. Now, no matter what happens, and no matter what the government does, and no matter what anybody else says, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for eternity. And, I'm, and that happened because God placed my name on the Lamb's Book of Life and then revealed a mystery in this last day that my name was connected to on that book. And when I saw it, hey, there's no going back. No denomination can hold me. No, no system can hold me. No drug can hold me in the world. Nothing can hold me. Hey, it's over. It's finished when it comes to uh, the bride of Christ because when they cast that mystery for their hour, they're standing free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So this last call, this last call is a call so that his subjects will answer and they will answer in such a way that they'll actually step from this dimension into the next dimension. Now, <clears throat> just a couple of facts here. The Messiah will not be on the earth until the millennium sets in. Well, he's been here the last 2,000 years as the Holy Ghost, right? As the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and he will not physically be on the earth until the millennium. Because we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And he never comes to the earth during this particular time. Physically, he never comes to the earth. He catches his bride away. He would never come and set foot on this polluted earth because it is so polluted. And then Brother Branham refers to the, uh, the play Romeo and Juliet. He said, that's right. He put the ladder up, stole his bride away, and she was gone. So, uh, you know, he, he likens that as a type here. So we will meet him, but we will meet him in the air. We will meet him uh, in that millennial season here. So they asked Brother Branham a question, and please explain Mark 13, 27. Here it is on the bottom of the screen. I put it there for you. And then shall he send his angels that shall gather his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Four winds refers to everywhere. So Brother Branham, please explain Mark 13, 27. Also, what about the people of Revelation 20 and 7 that make war against the saints? Where do they come from? And will they be carrying over as Noah's family? <clears throat> so Brother Branham answers this way. He says, now that's talking of the resurrection and the translation going up. He'll send forth his angels to gather. And did you ever think what his angels are? They're messengers. So we are gathered by the messenger who brings a specific message. A messenger is not a messenger unless he has a message, right? And so did you ever think what they are? They're messengers. And he'll gather them together, congregate them together, bind them together from the utmost parts of the earth to the utmost parts of heaven. And he said, the word that's been made manifest on the earth, it's been spoken and it's been manifested. So God proves himself. God sends a message, makes that message live. And he said, that message will actually congregate them together and bind them together. You know why? Because they have one thing in common, and that's the Holy Spirit right? That's, that's the Christ among them. That's the thing that binds them together. Now, just pretend I'm saying this loud, because if I had enough voice, I would say it loud. So just pretend. 
okay, that the volume is, is more increased. Matter of fact, John, if you want to, you can crank it up here and make it sound like I'm shouting about this because it's worth shouting about. <clears throat> but let me just say it this way. <clears throat> there is no bond as great as the bond that we, we have among us as believers. It not only ties us together as a church and as a, uh, a people globally around the earth, but it also ties us to people of every age, every believer of every age. It, it, is, it is the thing that, that has run right through the whole book of redemption all the way from the day of Pentecost right until now. It is that, that invisible bond that, that ties us all together. And it comes because of a voice that has sounded through the ages. And that voice re- reveals to us our true identity. That we are not just sons of a, a man and a woman. We're not just natural uh, people in the earth. We're not just earthbound creatures that came. But rather, we are sons of the living God. Amen. We are as eternal as God is. And if all of these things are true, then we stand justified as though we never sinned in the first place. You are the spotless, sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. And you're a co-worker with him. You're an inheritor of all that Christ inherited. And all those great things that are said in the message and said in the Bible about uh, our inheritance and our future, all of those things are true for you because you heard a voice. And God placed something in you to respond to that voice. And, and God knew that when you heard that voice in whatever age that he put you in and you heard that voice, you would come alive and you would, you would never be the same again. You would respond in a way that would be in full agreement to what God was saying in your day, even though it contradicted everything you ever knew. There's no turning back. And that would bind the people together. It would congregate them together. And it will bring them from the uttermost parts of the earth and heaven. He said, it'll, it'll, it'll gather those people together. And they're watching the manifested word that's spoken on the earth. But I got I to kind of ask you this question now, because this begs this question. Where is the manifestation of God's living presence today? We all saw it in Brother Branham, and we all heard it on the tapes, and we can still hear it on the tapes, and we're thankful for that. But you know what? God didn't stop manifesting himself when Brother Branham died. God didn't, st- God didn't get out of the business of healing. God didn't get out of the business of compassion. God didn't get out of the business of deliverance and baptizing when, when Brother Branham went off the scene. God didn't get out of the business of discerning when, when Brother Branham went off the scene. We obviously don't have his gift of discernment. We don't have his gift of healing because those are special things that God used to bring attention to the message of the hour. But where is the living Christ today? Where is the God who lives and breathes today and demonstrates himself to the people today? Where is that God today? And where, where are the examples of the manifested word today? Right? Good question, Brother Barry. Good question. So we're living on up here, he says, in the, in the bright age. We're not in the Pentecostal age, but we're living on up here to the bright age. And I'm just saying what he said. I'm just telling you what he said now. And this is 1965. It's the end of his ministry. It's kind of like on, on, the, on the blocks, on the departure gate, Brother Bram's waving back and saying, hey, by the way, you're not living in that age. You're living in another age. You're not living in a Methodist age or a Pentecostal age here. You're living on up in the bride age, calling out of the church and getting ready for the rapture. So putting it graphically, it kind of looked like this. 
If the Gentile dispensation can be drawn, it, it like a some, you know, we could use a pyramid. But in another way, here's the foundation, which was the early church and built all the way on up here, Revelation 2 and 3 to the church ages. And then a cry come up hither when the book comes open. And then there's a bride age for the bride to mature in. And then the bride is gone. There's nothing after the top of the building, right? So I'm just gent- gently suggesting that this is the way that uh, the, the, the Gentile dispensation has gone. And we're at the very top. We're at the very end of that process. Do you believe that? <clears throat> so let's just deal with this subject of the foolish virgins here because it's, it, it's, it's a question that we need to be clear on. Brother Bram says, I believe the church goes through the tribulation period, but not the bride. The bride goes home. <clears throat> now, I've got, uh, I've got several hundred quotes here, and don't worry, I'm only going to bring about 90 of them. No, I'm, I'm only joking. Brother Branham is very consistent from the beginning of his ministry to the end of it that the, the church will go through this, but not the bride. Once he begins to talk about church and bride, he says this over and over and over again, that they will not go through it. It, it makes him stand out as someone uh, unique in his teaching because this is, not, this is not mainstream teaching. The mainstream is that the church goes through the tribulation period, and that tribulation period is seven years long. But Brother Bram categorically says, no, it's, it's not seven years long. And it's, and it's not for the, the tribulation is not for the bride. They go home. I'll take that. I'm good with that. And uh, I've never found anything to change that. So that's the good news. So then Brother Branham, in, 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 his, in his explanation here of Matthew 25, which is about these virgins, he says, now, do you realize that when that come to pass? And what he's referring to is how everybody would be crying for oil. Because that's the common thing. They went through, uh, they went through this time of slumber, and then there was a voice came that woke everybody up in Matthew 25. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And then everybody starts to scramble for the, for the oil. And the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And he says, now when that come to pass, he said, that would be the end. And the foolish and the virgins, the foolish and the wise virgins were not heirs together. So if you're sitting in the reading of the will, if you're sitting in the dispersion of the master's goods at the end of it, and the rewards or the inheritance is given out, there is actually... Something that's given to the wise virgin and something that's given to the foolish virgin. I'm not saying you're foolish. Oh, you're a little foolish, but not a foolish virgin. There's, there's actually a distinction made here. If you like, a winnowing, a separating. And the separating comes because of the light and the lack of oil. Now, not a lack of religious activity. Because you know what? Their religious activity is way more impressive than ours. They got bigger churches. They got better music, right? I mean, better, I'd say, bigger, louder. Uh, they, they have uh, programs. They have missions. They do things that are, uh, I mean, incredible. You know, the, the denominational churches and so forth and all of that. It's not religious activity is the issue. It's light. It's the oil that brings light. The Holy Spirit causes you to see. The Holy Spirit causes you to have light. Right? You've got fire when you have oil. You have, you have uh, presence when you have oil. You have, uh, you have uh, uh, the, you know, the, the ability to see and understand when you have oil. Isn't that right? Amen. The Holy Spirit brings all of that. 
So he says, now they are not heirs together. The foolish virgin, she was a virgin just lacking oil. But when she come to buy oil, it was at that time that the bridegroom came. And she was left out while trying to buy oil. So this is not an evil entity. This is not, these are not bad people because they're actually trying to find a thing that they know they need. And surely I won't have to move that subject any farther. Neither can the spiritual and the natural be ears together. They cannot be. Just like Sarah and Hagar, uh, you know, two different, uh, two different people on the spectrum here. They're not heirs together. And their children, their offspring are not heirs together. Today's conflict is still about those heirs uh, that have a different destiny here. And so, <clears throat> Brother Mams, he's, he's asked specific questions now. And so just let me work through a couple of these here. What happens to the people that are considered a sleeping virgin when they are judged at the judgment. What happens to them? Well, a sleeping virgin will be saved, of course. She'll be saved at the judgment. She'll never be the bride. But she's a saved group of people that will come in the judgment that will not be included in the bride. Wow. But as long as they are virgins, they're before God. So they're people of high moral character. But as long as they're virgins, they're before God. They are to be saved, and he separates. They'll be the sheep on his right side and the unsaved and the goats on the left at the great white throne judgment. So in other words, the, the final separation, the final winnowing that's done will be when God decides, you know, the sheep on the left, goats on the right, and as he says right here. And, and this, is, this will be the way it is. But the bride is already ordained, if you like. The bride is already predestined to have a destiny that's different than the foolish virgin. And they're not heirs together. That's a huge thing. So when the time of the promise, this is the voice of the sign, when the time of the promise drew nigh, he said that's when God put Moses on the scene. Moses in his absolute failure went into the wilderness. A nation, out of a nation. A beautiful type of today. God calling his Christian bride out of a Christian church. It's called the chosen, the elect, the remnant of the woman's seed, the bride, what God by his foreknowledge ordained it to be. The bride will be sought out of the church. The church natural will stay right here through the tribulation. Wow. So the, the thing you don't want to be a part of is that natural church, which would, will go through the tribulation. You don't want to be a part of that. Now, <clears throat> let me just find a little statement here because I want to save a little bit of time here. And... Brother Branham says, The wise virgin with oil in her lamp, she made ready. And while she was gone to get oil, that's what they're trying to do right now. These great evangelical churches trying to get these great things go back to the Bible. We need the Pentecostal blessing. Think about what he's saying now. Think about when he's saying it. He's in 1960, and he's recognizing already that this message has the power to separate. And, the, and, and the, thing that, <clears throat> the thing that has separated is causing those people to look at that and say, you know what, God is doing something and we're not seeing it. We're not a part of it. And we need to get whatever we need to get in order to be a part of what God is doing. It seems like God is doing something. It seems like God is stirring. And, and there are things that are unexplainable by the human mind. Here it is in Brother Bram's ministry in 1960 here. 
And, and there are people recognizing that there's miracles that are taking place, there's discernment that's taking place, there's gifts that are operating, first bull, second bull, third bull. There are things that are going on. And, and there's a realization in the hearts of some, not everybody, we need, we need this. There's something in the earth going on. There are things promised in the Bible that are supposed to be happening. And it isn't happening among us. Some of those people know that the reason things happen is because they work it up. I'm talking about back in denominational systems now. They're, they need to bring in musicians to get people to, to rejoice and, and, and to respond, right? They need to, get, they need to craft a certain kind of music. They need to craft a certain kind of service. We don't want to make it too long. We don't want to make it too short. We don't want to pull too hard for money, but we got to pull for money. We, we don't want to have too many activities, but we want to have enough that everybody feels included. And, and there are a lot of things that are crafted because the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit is not there. It's not that they're bad people. But Brother Branham said when this begins to happen, he said, you realize that's a sign of the end time. When the realization comes, we don't have what we seem to need to have in the last day. And I don't know, I don't know where you all are, but I, if you're feeling in your heart today that, wow, I don't have what, what I know I need to have. You know what? I believe, I believe by God's grace, there's still mercy available today. And I believe a person can still surrender their heart to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that can still happen today. And by God's grace, I believe the door is still open. Just a crack, but I believe the door is still open. When, in other words, when the Gentile dispensation is over, we'll all be gone. And the question will be a moot question then. It won't, won't, be, it, won't be it won't be possible for you to ask for uh, entry into that kingdom because the kingdom door will be closed. It'll go back to the Jews. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the hard reality. Just like the hard reality was in the days of Noah, the door finally shut. So we can imagine, Brother Bam said, what kind of service they're going to have. He said, holding on to the world like Esau on one hand, trying to catch God with the other one. And you can't do it. Wow, what a miserable place to be. Trying to hold on to the world. Trying to, trying to do things in order to be popular and in order to make it work in the world. But trying to hold on to God on the other hand. And God, hey, you either serve God or mammon. Isn't that right? You either serve one or the other. We're either hot or cold. We're either in or out. One way or the other. But God is not going to hold on to your hand while you're holding on to the world with your other hand. People will hang on to sports and try to hang on to God. Or they try to hang on to money and they'll try to reach out and hang on to God over here because they want to have both things. What a terrible place to be because you know what? Somebody doesn't cooperate in times like that. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. Holding on to the world. Trying to catch God with the other one. Now, just briefly... Are the five foolish virgins of Matthew 25 counted as a Gentile remnant? I understand that the five foolish virgins were saved, but have to go through the great tribulation period. Is this correct? So this is a question that he's asked. And if so, what will be their final destination? Could they be the sheep that are divided from the goats in Matthew 25? And of course, yes, they are. Now, watch his answer, though, because this is, to me, the best answer to this question of what happens to this foolish virgin. How do we get there? He said, the sleeping virgin, the unwise virgin, is the remnant. <clears throat> and he quotes Revelation chapter 12 here, the woman's seed that kept the commandments of God. 
And then he says a woman will take a pattern, and she'll take a piece of goods and lay it down, and she takes the pattern and lays it wherever she desires. So if this is a piece of uh, material, piece of fabric, I watch my wife do this many times, and she'll take the pattern uh, that she has, she'll cut out the pattern, and she'll take it and lay it on the fabric exactly where she wants to put it. She takes away the pattern, lays it where she desires, and he says which way she's going to cut that, and what she has left over is called a remnant. So she'll cut out right here and take that, and, and this part that's left over is a remnant, and she'll take that, and he said she chooses to cut it from a certain place by her own free thinking. And if you notice, there were five foolish and five wise, all of them virgins, made out of the same material. So all of this is the same material, including what's under the pattern. But somebody laid that pattern down in a certain place. Right? That was a predestinator. And then the bride returns back with the groom for a thousand years, the millennial reign. And after that comes the white throne. After that comes new heavens and new earth and so forth. Eternity and time blend together. So God, by his grace, laid down the pattern. I don't, know how, I don't know whether you're catching it or not, but how many of you are happy you're underneath that pattern? That pattern is the Lamb's book of life. That pattern is not your works or your looks. That pattern is not the church you go to. That pattern is the predestinated plan of God. And he laid it on there on that, on that great big piece of material, and he cut out around that. And by God's grace, if you're included in that cutting, you have a different destiny, a different inheritance than the rest of this. Does that make sense? Amen. So it's, we, don't, we don't take this and burn it. We don't take this and destroy it. We lay it aside. And it comes through a different process. And that's what Brother Bram's telling us. It comes through a different process. All right. If you don't mind taking your Bible, I'm going to end in a second here, but if you don't mind, I just wanted to go back to Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Jesus, in verse 35, Matthew 9, 35, he went about all the cities in their villages, teaching in their synagogue. I I, I have to draw your attention to the heart of Christ. He's on earth in an earthly ministry. And the thing he, he sees or deems vital, or the priority he establishes here, is that he's teaching and preaching. The word teaching there, it means he's a herald. And a herald, by definition, is somebody who declares or proclaims proclaims something with certainties. A herald is someone who says, the king is coming. The herald says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is among you. The herald says, in ten minutes, the king is going to be here. He knows what he's saying. And, And this is what Jesus is doing in his teaching. He's telling them certainties about the kingdom of God. He's telling them that God is not distant. He's among you. That God does not, uh, he's not indifferent to your cares. But, but he's, he's, he's nigh, even as close as the breath you breathe. And he knows what you go through. He knows what you have need of. And, in, and the Bible says that he was teaching and preaching uh, the gospel of the kingdom there. And not only was he teaching and preaching, but the actions of a compassion of God also went with this, and he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. Now, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, phrase that, that's used there. 
Because Jesus is looking at the people, listen now, and when it says, when the Bible says that they had fainted, it meant that they had literally, they had literally fallen flat. The position, the, the idea is that, listen, you're under the ministry of these Jewish leaders and rabbis. And you have been for years. But when Jesus shows up, he's got compassion for the people because they're in such a lousy position. position. They're in such a terrible place. They fainted. They were scattered. There were people like, they, they were sheep without a shepherd. Now the only way you can be a, a, a sheep uh, wandering through the wilderness is that either you were somehow born out of, out of wedlock or your, your shepherd forsook you and doesn't care, right? Somehow or another, if you're a wandering sheep, you got through a hole somewhere, you got out in the wilderness on your own, or you got a shepherd who doesn't care. He doesn't really look after you. And <clears throat> what Jesus is actually doing here is looking at the people as sheep without a shepherd and, and they're in a fainted condition. They're in kind of a horizontal position here instead of an upright one, thanking God because they are, they are Jews. They are sons of the Father God. They are, they are children of the prophets and all of that. And they should be rejoicing and recognizing that the Messiah possibly could be here. But instead he doesn't find them that way. He finds them this way. And what he's actually saying to them in the language of the, of the, the scripture there is that these shepherds are so involved in inconsequential stuff. They're bickering over whether John was sent of God or not, whether Jesus is a man of God or not. Is he the, uh, the prince of Beelzebub or not? And, uh, uh, you know, can you, can you eat with washing hands or not? And why do they pick corn uh, out there without washing their hands first and saying, saying grace over it? You understand the mindset of the Pharisees and the scribes, right? And they were always trying to nitpick Jesus on these questions. And you know what? That did not feed the people. It didn't strengthen the people. It didn't cause them to have strength and insight and understanding. It made them weak and faint. And I will guarantee you the same thing will happen unless you feed the bride, bride food. We would be in exactly the same place. We don't need to bicker among one another as ministers. We don't need to figure out who's got the bigger ministry or who preaches a Saturday night meeting or whatever else. We don't need to have any of that. You know what we need to do is feed the bride the message of the hour. We need to feed the bride bride food. This is not about me and this is not about another pastor, another minister here. It's not about the size of the church or the breadth of your ministry. It's not about the money you have. It's not about the influence you have on the internet. It's not about any of that. It's about strengthening God's people. It's about ministering to God's people. And very often that's a thankless job. Very often that's a thing that's not recognized. Very often that's a thing that goes, uh, you know, uh, uh, unacknowledged in many ways. But over time, God in his grace builds up a people so that when the right thing is supposed to happen, there's a people who are in tune with God and they say, Lord, thank you. We were waiting for that. We were expecting that. Lord, my heart was burdened for that. And here I am, Lord, take me. And instead, Jesus finds a group of people that are beat down. They're malnourished. They're faint. They're despondent. They're sick. They're depressed. They're struggling. When they, when they are the chosen people. Jesus said, I come unto my own. My own receive me not. 
Why not? Because you know what? They're confused. A lot of them are confused by stuff that's said. What a shame. What a shame that we would come to a place. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not upset or angry at all. I'm, I'm, I know how my face looks. I know. I know all too well how my face looks. But I will tell you what, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God has given us such a clear message. And to me, my, my personal mandate, my, my desire has been to preach the message as clear as I get it. Because I don't, it's, it's not profitable to do anything else but that. Because what's the point if we go out and we don't understand what's said? What's the point if we try to make it so complicated that nobody gets it? What's the point if we hear all kinds of words that are said and we don't know how to apply it? I believe the gospel's got to be real. I believe it's got to be understandable. And I believe it's got to be applicable. Because you don't, you don't excel until you hear the word and be a doer of the word. you got to do both. It's not good enough for you just to be in the church and be in a, a good church and have a good minister there. You've got to take what you hear and go home and apply it. You've got to go home and live it. You've got to express it to your wife and your children and your grandchildren and everybody else. You've you got you to do that way. You've got to actually take out the checkbook and write your tithes check. And you've got you to you know, be compassionate towards people. And you've got to uh, you pray for your children. You have, you have to do all of those things. And, and you have to live what it is that we believe. This is not about William Branham, folks. This is not about just having all the right quotes and all the right, being in all the right meetings and everything else. It's about a life that Christ is trying to live through you in the midst of a dying world here. It's not about competition. It's not about politics. It's not about uh, one-upmanship. It's not about any of that. To, a, to a, a, a Jew, let me tell you, the emphasis always was on sacrifice. To a scribe, the emphasis always was on law. But to a Christian, to me, the emphasis is about love. Yeah. It's about showing the love of God. Yeah. It's about living the love of God. And so Jesus looks at these people here and he says in 37, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In the writing of the King James Version, there were no chapter demarcations. So <clears throat> there's no ending of chapter 9 and the beginning of a separate thought. This is the continuation of what he was just saying to the disciples there. I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth. Not a great harvest, because the harvest is there. But you want, you want to pray that he sends out harvesters, laborers. And then in verse 10, he actually does this. Watch with me. And when he had called unto them his 12 disciples, he said he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Then he names all 12. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, now this is great because he's actually sending these 12 out into the field, if you like, and he's going to tell them now exactly what you need to do. When you go, here's what you do. Go not in the way of the Gentiles, nor in the city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. Why? Well, number one, they're Jews. And you know what? <clears throat> he knows there's a Paul coming later. 
and he'll go to the Gentiles, right? God's already already got this figured out, right? So don't worry. So he says, I want you to focus now on, on Israel here. And go not go, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Be a real herald. And a herald is one who sounds out a certainty, right? He declares a certainty. Heal this. And so it's not just preaching, but it's heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils freely as you receive, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass for your, in your purses. You know what that is? That's an Old Testament commandment. In the Old Testament, if a Jew charged you to pray for you, that prayer didn't matter. If a Jew, listen, if a Jew went to court and was in the jury and got paid for the jury, his decision would be null and void. There are some services to a Jew that you perform out of your heart, not out of obligation. In the same way that we don't get paid for jury duty. I least you don't think so. I'm dying to get on a jury somewhere. I, I've never been. And I, 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 my wife gets called all the time. I never have gotten called for jury duty. I'd love to, you know, a big, messy case with all kinds of evidence. And I, I, man, I just, you know, the church will be all right. You, you'll, you'll manage if, I, if I'm sequestered. But I, I know what I'd do. I know what I'd wear. I know what I'd bring for lunch. I mean, I'm all set to go. But I, anyway, I've never been chosen. I don't know why. They don't, probably that's the reason why. You're not allowed to accept payment for certain things that go on here. And this is what Jesus is saying, that if you go and you're going just for the money or the reward you get for doing this, don't go. I'm not sending you out to do that. You've received freely, he says, and you give freely. And no script for your journey. It's, all, it's a lot about money here. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever, watch now, into whatsoever city ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy? And there abide till you go then. Stay at that place. When you find somebody who's a worthy recipient, stay there until you leave that town. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. And if it be not worthy, let your peace return unto you. I'm reading out of the common Jewish Bible here. Look at it on the screen. When you come into a town or village, look for someone trustworthy and stay with him till you leave. And when you enter someone's household, say, Shalom Malakim. And if the home deserves it, let your shalom rest on it. And if not, let your shalom return to you. Wow. All right, stop for a minute. How many of you remember when Noah heard no more rain? He said, there's no more rain. He opens up the lid. What does he do? He takes a raven. And he sends the raven out. And the raven goes out and doesn't come back. Because he's feeding on different things. What can I send out? He takes a dove, doesn't he? And the Bible says that he takes a dove. And it says he takes it in his bosom. This is what it says. And he lets the dove go. And if the dove finds a resting place, he knows the land is cleared of water. It's safe. But after a little while, the dove comes back, and the Bible says that he enfolded it back in his bosom again. What is a dove a symbol of? The Holy Spirit, right? Peace, the Holy Spirit. And so Noah lets it go. It finds no resting place. He takes it back. Let's it go again, takes it back. Let's it go again, and it doesn't come back. Jesus is saying to them the same thing. When you go, you have a message of the kingdom. 
let it go. And if it comes back to you, you take that and off you go. But if it doesn't come back, mission accomplished. The Holy Spirit's always looking for a resting place. Isn't that right? Always looking for a certain kind of heart. Do you understand? I'm describing your job description in the last day. Because I'm not the only harvester here. Hello? I'm not the only harvester here. We're all harvesters in the harvest season. He says, Jesus goes on to say, 14, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. And verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Uh, Does anybody want to venture a guess how much worse it could get for Sodom at the end of the whole program? I mean, fire fell out of heaven and burned them all up. And Jesus is promising that it would be worse when you take back your Holy Spirit and leave that town and go to another one. It's going to be worse than it is for Sodom and Gomorrah in that town. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, and ye therefore, uh, sorry, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Brother Bram says when he confessed his sin and said, woe is me, the angel went over, this is Isaiah, when, when Isaiah confessed, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, the angel went over and took the tongs, picked up a coal of fire, which represented a Holy Ghost and fire, and came over and laid it on the prophet's lips and says, now I've cleansed you. And the wings winnowing their way like that, moved away the curtains of time. And he heard God say, who will go for us? I don't know. I, <clears throat> I told you at the beginning here that I'm a, I'm a harvester, and I'm not ashamed of that. I, I feel like I've put in my miles over the years and uh, <clears throat> slept on floors and had animals crawl over me and uh, not everywhere, but, uh, you know, done my time. And I'm not trying to be a martyr. I didn't say I was a martyr. I said I'm a harvester. And, uh, but harvesters wind up in all kinds of situations. And I, I've done my fair share of travel. And, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not complaining about that at all. I mean, it's been great to meet the bride all over the world and be able to minister to them, be able to bring things to them, and be able to help them in whatever way I can. Because <clears throat> we're, not only, we're not only bringing stuff we're going to go to Tanzania, Lord willing, next week, and we're going to be bringing stuff with us, you know, computers, medications, uh, supplies, things that they have need of, bring some medical expertise and different things. Because whatever way we can do things, we, we want to do it to help the people. Because there's a lot of people out there who are hurting. Like Jesus described, when he looked at the people, he had compassion for them. That's the strongest word in biblical language for someone whose heart breaks for other people. And Jesus is just looking at them. He's just, he's just observing them. And you know what? They're confused. They're, they're hurting. They're sick. They need deliverance. They need help. They need encouragement. And there's a lot of people who are just despondent in our world and going through stuff and going through difficult things. 
And, and Jesus looks at them and he's saying, my goodness, they've been under all these ministers all these years. And, and look, at, look at the situation that they're in. My, there's so much that needs to be done. There's so much that needs to happen here. And they, he, he turns right around in chapter 10 and, and dispatches his disciples and says, now when you go, when you go, I want you to go and go for the good of the people. Don't go for script or don't go for reward or don't go for anything else. Don't, don't go because it's easy, but go because now you're a herald of the kingdom and you're going to, you're going to bring a message of hope to them. You're going to bring a message of, of, of eternal life to them. You're going to be a conveyor of good things to those people. So I want you to go and I want you to go prepared for the fact that, you know, there are people out there that don't want you to be there. And there are people that are going to persecute you and, and say all manner of evil things about you. And he says, I want you to know that there are hazards involved in all of this. But you know what? If you're my disciple, there's something in your heart that says, who'll go for us? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Because this is something that God does not force us to do. We don't find it in the language here where God says, all right, now you're going to go and you're going to stay. Now we know everybody can't go, right? But he's asking this question. You pray for these harvesters because there's going to have to be something from the inside that's going to really want to do this for the kingdom. You pray for those people because they're going to go through all kinds of hardships and they're going to go through all kinds of difficulties and they're going to be misunderstood. And it probably will come at great expense. But you pray for those folks. He's not saying pray for the harvest and pray for the churches and pray for the people. He's not saying that. He's saying pray for the harvesters. I'm just saying what he says there. And that's why I think we should should really be praying for one another. Now, look, you can't give out what you don't have. You gotta have something to give out. You gotta be, if you're a herald, you gotta have a message, right? If you're, if you're somebody who's going to convey the good news, you gotta know the good news yourself. And so therefore, that's one sermon in order for you to become, you know, connected to the tree of life, right? That's one sermon. But if you got it, if you got it, it's more than just saying, well, I, you know, that's my pew and I want to sit there and, and I, I want to have, you know, service the same way every time and I don't want you to mess up my thinking. I don't want you to tell me what I'm supposed to do. I just want to be able to go to church and then go to the Mexican restaurant afterwards and then go have a siesta and then be able to go home and watch Netflix. And I don't want you to mess up with that. I know some of you are laughing, but you're laughing at the people who do that, not yourselves, right? I understand that. But Jesus is saying, in the end, there's a great need. We, We have a great message. And we have a world that really needs to hear it. We need to be praying that these young men would take this message with them when they go to school and they go... They, they go in their different places here. We need to be praying that you men who are on the job, Brother Sam's going to a new job on Monday and going down to Charlotte there in a place he's never worked. Hundreds of people that will be in that company that he's never met. You know what? You, whether you realize it or not, you're a herald. You're a representative of the kingdom. Brother Jason moved all the way from kingdom come. Now he's at kingdom finally established. And here he is and, and, you know, in a company, him and Brother Ben. I'd say there must be somebody in that company somewhere. Must be another fish because there's got to be three, right? 
It's got to be someone else that's there. And why God would, you know, concentrate certain people in certain places there. I'll tell you what, we, we ought to be praying that God would make us harvesters. Lord, give me the heart of a harvester that I, that I can go in and I can have compassion for the people and I can lay hands on people. I can be concerned when they're sick and I can be concerned when they're going through stuff and when they have a problem that they can come to me and they feel like they can say, hey, my, my wife's going through a surgery. Would you mind remembering her and pray, to ask your church to pray and that kind of thing. Hey, listen, all of that, all of that. It's not just a, a, a sounding of the message. It's a living that message in front of people and letting them see that Jesus Christ actually lives. He lives in that person. Somehow or another, they got something that, that, that I don't have. It's kind of like foolish virgins looking at wise virgins. They got something that I don't have. They see something that I don't have. They're living something that I don't, that I don't have. Where did we get it? We didn't get it because we earned it. We didn't get it because we deserve it. We got it by God's grace. We got it because he laid the pattern on a, on a piece of material. The foolish and the wise virgin are not heirs together. We'll let God sort it out in the judgment. He knows them that are his. It's not our job to say you are and you're not. It's not my job to say I'm in. I don't care what anybody else is. That's not our job at all. Your job is to be a mindful harvester. In the, look, God placed us in the harvest season, right? I, it's not my fault. <laughs> I, he only sent me here because you're here. But I will tell you this, that, that God knows exactly, God knows exactly what you're supposed to be doing in the hour he called you to live. There was a friend of Martin Luther, and I never knew this until I read this story this week. There was a friend of Martin Luther who came out of the Catholic Church roughly the same time Martin Luther did. Somebody had been through the seminary with him, and now, all of, now they're both out. And this guy was a very uh, prayerful guy, very meditative kind of a guy. And uh, he and Luther would talk late into the night, very often about the Reformation and about what it meant for, to be justified and all of this to be free from the Catholic Church. It spent many hours. And then so Martin Luther feels very strongly that he's got to go and preach this message of justification to the world. And he did. And this other brother agreed. He said, listen, I'm going to stay back here and pray for you. I'm, I'm going to be the man on my knees and I'm going to pray for you uh, all this time that you're out there slugging it out with the Catholic hierarchy. And so they did that. And one night, this, this gentleman, he, uh, he had a dream. He went to bed and he had a dream. And in this dream, he saw a huge field. The field was the world. It was, it was uh, you know, immeasurable. Just a huge field. And he looks out there and he sees it's harvest time. And he sees one man standing in the middle of that field. And he watches this man. He's harvesting. He's trying to gather things out of the field. And uh, he looks and looks, and he says, finally, he sees, oh, it's Martin Luther. That's Luther out there in, in the field. And then all of a sudden, uh, watching Martin Luther, he realized, that is an impossible task. My goodness, that's ridiculous for him to think he could harvest all of that. And then it dawned on him, and he woke up. And he realized, this isn't just Martin Luther's job. And it isn't... Also, just enough for me to stay back here and pray. That's the good thing. Jesus tells us to do that. But you know what we need? is people out of their own heart to step out and say, 
I'll get out there too. I'll get out there and work. I'll pray too, but I'll get out there too. And he realized, he realized that in this whole process, it wasn't just up to one man, but it was everybody who was in that age. Let me tell you something. You're making a real mistake if you think Brother Brandon was just the person out here that God sent. And he's got to do it all somehow. He's got to defeat denominations and he's got to, uh, you know, rapture the bride and everything else. And you're here and you don't think you have a part of it? You girls are here more than just to look pretty and come to church and try to find a guy. And you guys are here more than, just, you know what I'm going to say. You guys, you guys, let me tell you, if I were you girls, I'd be looking for a guy who had a heart for God. I'd be looking for a guy who says, Brother Barry, I, I, here am I, send me and let me go. Let me do something for the kingdom. Let me do something for God. Because you know what? If he's handsome, like Noah over here, if he's suave and charismatic, like uh, Joe and Ethan over here, my goodness, you know, that, that, that'll change because they'll get uglier in the mud fence sooner than you take a look at it. But I will tell you this. What you want is a man that has a heart for God and a man who loves God, whether his parents go to church or whether anybody else goes to church, whether it's, a, whether it's, you, know, it's a, uh, you know, some fashionable thing, he's just going to be there because he loves God. If girls, if I were you, my piece of advice, if I were a girl in the message, I'm not, but if I was a girl, I'd be looking for a guy that had a heart for God. And I, if I was a guy, I'd be looking for a girl who was looking for a guy who had a heart for God. That's what I'd be looking for because rather than an easy life and, you know, a, a big ring on our finger and all the rest of it, I, I'd be looking for a girl who's wanting to marry a man who's sold out to God. Not somebody who's putting on, not somebody who's pretending here because it's Sunday and now they're going to go to the Mexican restaurant. That's not the reason that you want to get involved with a guy. You want to get involved with a guy because move everything else aside and he's got a heart for people. He's got a heart for, he's got a love for God. He's got a love for scripture. He's got a love for the message. He's got a love for the right things. That's what I'd be after. I found that, and I'm thankful for that. But that's what I'd be after if I was a single guy today. And Jesus is simply saying, you look at the condition, and look at the condition today. Look at the world today and the mess people are in, and the thinking of people today. And look at where they're, where they're trapped in the cycle of pre-tribulation and have no answers and no way out and falsely looking at politicians to help them and looking at, uh, you know, uh, systems of the world to help them out. That's not the way out. The way out is through Christ. There's only one way. There's not a dozen ways. There's only one way out. There's only one way through this, and that's through Christ. Somebody needs to go. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians just slip up here. And his wings winnowing their way like that moved away the curtain of time. In other words, we can apply this today just like he could at his day. And he heard God say, who will go for us? I'm so glad. I'm so glad I've been called. And it's not my choosing to be living at this time. I'm glad I am, but I never chose it. I never got the vote. I never got a ballot that had pick your one out of seven, pick your age. I never had, a, never had that vote at all. But he put me here. So then I have to act like somebody who lives in the harvest. And God wants you, God wants you to think like you're in the harvest, not just in the church. God wants you to think like you're in the harvest, not just in a movement. 
God wants you to think like the bride, called out, separated, like we are called out in this last day. To do what people in the harvest actually do. <clears throat> Let's sing. Let's just worship a little bit. I think I've given you a little bit of thing, a little uh, to think about. And uh, I, I'd, I'd like to be able to sing and worship just a little bit. Uh, do you know that little chorus, We Sing Praises to Your Name? Let's, let's sing that this morning. Let's just bring that up, if you will. I, we Sing Praises to Your Name. Worship with me just a little bit this morning. We sing. Stop. Go a little higher. We sing praises to your name.
it back to D. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Let's sing that this morning here. My, your, your singing sounds so nice. It sounded so nice and the special sounded so nice this morning when we began here. So let's just worship him for a few minutes, all right? At the end of our service here. When the music fades and all is stripped away
are times, Lord, when it all will end soon. We know, Lord, that things are happening, Lord, in the world and in Israel. Things are happening in the cosmos exactly the way they should be. And Lord Jesus, that means that there has to be a bride to leave here before the next phase of the program takes place. Help us, Lord, I pray, to be used of you. And Lord, however you want me to operate, however you want me to work, Lord, where you want me to go, where you want me to be positioned, Lord. You've called me in this harvest season, Lord. Help me think like one who is a harvester. Help me to think like one who is a laborer, Lord. Stir our hearts. Whatever you've called us to be, may we be the very best we can. 
Empower us, Lord, I pray, through revelation. We thank you for the light we have and the oil that burns brightly. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the the message we have that's so given us, Lord, insight and understanding of the mysteries that were bound through all of these years. Lord, may we do all we can, Lord, to be able to spread it, be able to teach it, be able to live it, be able to show compassion upon the people, Lord, who we come in contact with. Have your way, Lord, we pray. And Father, especially today, we pray for those who are sick and those who are needy and those who need a touch from you, Lord. Draw near to them, I pray. May the presence of the Holy Spirit give them that supernatural touch that only you can give. Minister, Lord, to your people, we pray now. And as we go our separate ways, we want to give you thanks and praise, Lord, for the gift of salvation so rich and so free. We love you, Lord Jesus, with all of our heart. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Sing it as you go this morning and if you want to stay and just worship a little bit, you sure can. God bless you. Lead me, Lord. I will follow. Lead me, Lord. I will go. Ah. Uh-huh.